John 15, let's look at John 15, if you got your Bibles with you. John 15. I got two of my favorites right on the front row. These two right here. I have a lot of favorites, but these are two of my favorites right here on the front row. John 15. Love you too, son. Uh, John 15 in verse 1. Now, when I decided the theme for Abide 2015, uh, the theme came out of John 15. Because there's so much in John 15 that we could share tonight. Uh, But this is the theme scriptures that came to mind when uh, we were getting the camp theme together for this year. So John 15 and verse 1. It says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me does not bear fruit he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit he prunes. That he may bear more fruit. You are already clean because the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, and as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I am him, bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, that they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Verse 8, key verse, it says, But this, my Father, is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Can I get amen tonight already? Amen Amen or oh me. It's going to be a good night tonight. You ready to take notes? You ready to respond? So if you're taking notes tonight, this is the title of my message. You ready? You ready? Okay. I'm going to have to say it more than once. Branches, burning, and bearing. Let me say that one more time. Branches, burning, ouch, and bearing. That's the title of my message tonight. That's what I want to talk about. Branches, burning, and bearing. You guys can choose either one of those to say to your friend at the count of three. One. Two, three. A lot of burning going on. A lot of friends got burned on that one. I'd like to light you on fire. Let's try one more time. One, two, three. A lot of people burning each other. Branches burning and bearing. So we're talking out of John 15 and... I need to kind of lay a foundation before we go any further uh, tonight so what we're going to preach about will make sense. Now, in John 15, this is red letter, so that means Jesus is speaking it, and he's preaching a message. And he starts out and he says, John 15, verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Now, uh, this word true vine, really, the word true vine could mean the real or the original vine. Now, you need to understand this because there's a lot of different sources in this world, but there's only one true vine. There's a lot of different sources and things that you can rely on in this earth, but they're not the true original vine. They're substitutes. If we could say this in modern language, they're not organic in nature. They're not the real original vine. So Jesus says, 
in the way Jesus talks, he speaks the truth. He says, I'm the true vine. I'm the original. I'm the real vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Now, before we go any further, uh, we talked about this before, and Pastor Dennis mentioned this. Uh, to better understand this, we don't live in the Middle East. We don't live in Israel. And so we don't know a lot about vines. Some of you that live in California, you know about vines and uh, you know about grapes. But those of us who live in the Midwest, we know about trees with roots. That's what we know about. God bless America. Trees and roots. So we're going to go back and forth. I might not always use the word vine or vine dresser. We could say roots and the tree. And so... When we're talking about this tonight, realize the the first thing Jesus says. Jesus says, I am the true vine, but my father is the vine dresser. But you could write this in your Bible. You could say, my father is the gardener. My father is the gardener. God is the ultimate gardener. Now, you can write this down, this verse, 1 Corinthians 3, 9, says, we are God's garden. We are God's garden. That means that we are God's garden, and we have a gardener who is God, and he is the master gardener. And so we need to understand this to lay the foundation for the rest of the scriptures we're dealing with. So Jesus is the true vine or the true root, and God is the gardener. God is the gardener in our life, but we are the branches of this tree. And so verse 4, let's start there. It says, abide in me and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine or the root, neither can you unless you abide in me. And so the first thing I want to talk about, I want to take abide from a couple different angles. The first way I want to talk about is this. The word abide, one of the meanings it's given and what I want to talk about for a moment, it means to remain or continue. To abide means to remain or continue. Now, there's a reason I'm bringing this definition because it's one thing to get planted, but to bear fruit, you got to remain and continue. Oh, I just started to preach. You guys are waiting for that. You have to remain and continue. And a lot of believers, they start the process, but then they give up on the process. And you realize Jesus uses these examples in the Bible on purpose about a garden, about sowing seed, about harvest time. And the thing about that is in 2015, we don't know anything about process because we know things happen right now. But God doesn't work that way. God doesn't work in a microwave. God doesn't work like a vending machine. God doesn't work like that. It's not an instant, quick fix thing with God. And many of us believe that, so we give up on the process. And God says, you started with me, but if you're going to bear fruit or you're going to get results in your life, you've got to remain and continue where you got planted. And so we need to remain and continue and not give up on the process. God works in process. A lot of Christians give up because they want to come to an altar and somebody wave a magic wand over them and it's over. It doesn't work like that. They'll give you a good start. But God works in process. 
And the process has to take place. And for you to not give up on the process, you got to trust the gardener. Because if you don't think the gardener knows what he's doing, you'll give up on the process. And so we have to trust God, who is the gardener of our lives. And if he's doing something in our life, we need to trust that and not give up on the process. Because he's going to do something in our life, but sometimes it takes time. And we don't like that word. Sometimes it, it takes patience. Especially for young, young people. I'm including myself in that comment. We don't like the word patience. We don't like the word well, wait for it. We don't like the word it will be a while. We don't like that. But sometimes God works that way. He works in process. We need to remain and continue. Now thinking about this word remain and continue... Abiding is remaining and continuing. If we are like a seed, the only way a seed can grow up to be a mighty tree is if it remains and continues. And this is what you do when you give up on the process because you planted something in your life, but it didn't grow up immediately. You pull it back out and it has no time to make any roots. And that's what we do every time we give up on the process and give up on God gardening our lives, we plant the seed, but then we dig it right back up, and it will never grow that way. Your life will never grow that way if you keep digging up what you plant because you're not seeing the results you want to see. It has to remain and continue. And if you know anything about trees or plants, the longer it remains, the bigger and healthier it gets. But notice, it takes time. And it's easier to say, okay, it's not working here, so I'm going to dig up the seed and go plant it somewhere else and think it's going to work. It's a trick. It doesn't work. Because wherever you plant it, it's going to take time for it to grow. Hopefully you're not discouraged by this message so far. But God works in process, so when... You get planted or God plants something in your life, remain and continue in it so you don't mess up the harvest. And how you remain and continue is you keep it planted and you water the seed that got planted in your life. You don't dig it up just because you're discouraged, because you're upset, you think God's not moving quick enough. You got to remain and continue. So that word means... The word abide means to remain and continue. I love this because he talks about the branches in verse 4. And he says, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. The key right here to all frustration in Christians' lives is this. They're trying to produce apart from the source. In the same way, if you cut a branch off of a tree, it's going to dry up real quick. And it's not going to bear any fruit. And it's going to get mad and frustrated that it's not growing and it's not bearing any fruit. But it can't get frustrated because it's separated from its source. And the source is God. So we are the branches, and we can't do this by ourselves. You can't live this life for God by yourself. You can't beat temptation by yourself. 
You can't beat addiction by yourself. You can't live this abundant life by yourself. You need to be connected to the source. Or you're going to be frustrated just like that, that branch that was cut down and it's mad because it's not growing anymore. It's not producing anymore. And we got to all realize in here because this makes us depend on God, not just at camp, not just at church, but daily when we realize we're not the source. So if we're going to have anything happen worthwhile in our lives, if we're going to get any fruit or results in our lives, it's going to have to be because we're connected to the source, not just at camp, but daily. And I'm going to talk about this towards the end, but I'll just give you a little preview. There's a reason we, we planned on the theme Abide this year, because it's, it's actually a more mature theme than other years. It's a little bit more serious theme than other years. Because in my heart, there's a lot of you that have been here year after year after year, and you get blessed, you get touched. But I'm not interested, now I'm about to preach, in a temporary revival, a temporary move of God. I'm interested in a sustained move of God. But notice that doesn't happen unless we're connected to the source. You know why it happens at camp? Because you just got plugged back in to the vine. And you know why you're struggling when you go back to school? Because you unplug yourself from the vine. And it's not God moving away from you. It's you moving away from him. And you're frustrated and say, well, I can't do it. Yes, you can't do it. That's why it says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Doesn't that shatter all the pride in all of our lives? That statement right there. For all time. He says, without me, you can do nothing. Because most of us are thinking, I could do something. Jesus said, no, you can't. Nothing. You can't do anything without me. What does he mean in here? You can't do anything worthwhile on this planet without me. You're not going to get any lasting results without me. You're not going to bear any good fruit without me. You can do something, but it's not going to produce anything in your life. And so for all time, we need to remember what part we play. We're not the vine, and we're not the gardener. We're the branches. And all the branches do, it's really easy. They just hang out there like this. And they receive nourishment from the roots. And all they have to do is bear fruit. Have you ever seen a tree groaning and straining? You ever seen that happen before? You ever seen a a tree sounding like they're constipated because they can't get any fruit out? No. Don't work like that. If the tree's healthy, it's going to bear fruit because it's connected to the source. And we're just getting started here. So abide means to remain and continue. Let's look over at Psalm 91. Psalm 91. 
So that was the first thing I want to talk about, a definition of abide. But I want to take it from a different angle here. Another definition for the word abide, and more specifically, it's talking about in John 15, is the word dwell. Abide means to dwell. To dwell. Psalm 91 in verse 1, it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Notice, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I'm going to talk about this kind of side of the word abide. I didn't mean to rhyme. Just my rapper coming out on me. But the first is remain and continue. But the second thing I want to talk about is to dwell. Abide means to dwell. And to dwell means to make your home there. You dwell in your house. Your house. Not somebody else's house. Your house. It's the same way with us and God. That God needs to make his home in our life. He doesn't need to be a guest. He needs to be at home in our lives. Now let's look over at Ephesians 3. We're about to really take off now. Ephesians 3. So, abide means to dwell, or it means it's your house. Now, many of you in here probably think this, and a lot of Christians think this. They think just because they're saved, that's where God dwells. And it is, and it isn't. Because God dwells in you by the Holy Spirit, but that doesn't mean he has access to your whole house. Because there's a lot of people that are saved but there's locked doors in their house. So that means he's really not at home there. He's really not dwelling there. He's just a guest. And that's the big difference between somebody who's getting fruit and somebody who's not getting any fruit in their lives. It's somebody who's living there and somebody who's just visiting your house. Because a lot of us, we're already saved, but God visits us at camp. God visits us at church, but on a day-to-day basis, he's not free to go anywhere he wants in our house. There's locked doors. He can't get in the bathroom. He can't just go to the refrigerator whenever he wants to. There's certain things that are off limits. And notice that's not on God's side. That's on our side if he's welcome or not. Now, God's a gentleman. And he's not going to override anything you won't let him into in your life. And so we need to allow God to not just be a guest at summer camp, but invite God, and I know a lot of you did that this morning, invite God to move in. Say, God, stop visiting on weekends. Move in my house. You can come in. You can stay here with me. You need to have that attitude towards God and then unlock all the doors in the house. Because we all know in here we have a junk closet 
a junk drawer, a junk room, maybe your bedroom, some people a junk house, and there's certain areas of the house you can't go to. Why? Because you'll be embarrassed of what people might think. Or you'll be embarrassed of what people might see. And so what I'm saying tonight is this. Doesn't mean you have to open your closet to everybody else in here. But you need to open it to God. If you want him to dwell there. Don't just say you can go into the living room, the kitchen, and the bedroom. But stay out of the basement. Can't go in the basement. No, we need to drop that and say, God, you can come in my house. You're not a guest. This is where you stay. And I'm going to unlock all the closets. You can look in the junk room. You can deal with what you need to deal with. Hello, somebody. And you can really dwell here. And you know, with having people over at your house, whether people feel welcome or not. God's the same way. Are you here? So Ephesians 3, 16 and 17, it says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may, notice, dwell in your hearts through faith and you being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the height, and uh, the depth to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that they may be filled with the fullness of God. But notice in verse 17 he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He may dwell. That means it's his house. It's his house. Now Paul is writing this to Christians Not unbelievers. You're thinking, Paul, are you telling them to invite Jesus back into their heart? They're already saved. No, he's saying, yes, you're already saved, but he's not at home in your hearts. He's not welcome in every part of your life. He's not really abiding with you the way you need to be abiding with him. And he's praying that this church would not just let God be a guest, but he would be at home in their life. That he would be welcome in every part, every area, and there wouldn't be any areas in your life that is off limits to him because that's where he lives. So we need to make a decision, even though Jesus lives in your heart, doesn't mean he's at home in you. Doesn't mean he feels welcome in you. That's the difference in somebody who's abiding and not abiding. Abiding and not abiding. I'm telling you, this is why we're frustrated when we go back to our lives after camp. <laughs> but you realize he can be at home in your hearts all year long. You can allow him in every area of your life all year long. It doesn't have to just be something that happens at camp, or when you go to church, it's like just guest visitations to your house. Let him be at home in your heart. Let's look back at John 15. You still here? 
You getting anything tonight? A couple things? John 15 and verse 2. John 15 and verse 2. So, we said this earlier that God is the gardener. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. We are the branches. And in John 15 verse 2, it says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And this is kind of what I want to talk about the rest of the time today. Because we talked about abide means to remain and continue. We talked about abide means to dwell. Well, once you start on that process with God, because it is a process, and once you start growing, and once you start changing, and once you start bearing fruit, It never stops. And the thing is, for a lot of us who have been in church a long time, we've been in camp a long time, we need to realize we're still open for pruning from the gardener. We haven't arrived because we've been at camp 10 years in a row. We haven't arrived because we've been saved a long time. He says the more you bear fruit, the more he's going to prune you. So you'll bear more fruit. Can we talk about it? So a good gardener is, a, is somebody who prunes the branches so they'll bear more fruit. Or we could say he cuts the branches so they'll bear more fruit. He cuts the branches so they'll bear more fruit. Cutting is uncomfortable. Pruning is uncomfortable. But it's fruitful. Now what I'm about to say has everything to do with the message I just shared recently at our church about revival and repentance. Because if we don't let God correct us, we're never going to grow. If we don't ever let God talk to us about the junk rooms in our lives, we're never going to bear much fruit. If we don't let God clip off the bad things in our lives we don't need, then our branch is not going to bear any fruit. We have to trust the gardener knows what he's doing. And it's pride to think that we know best for our lives because we don't. Especially us who are younger. You can't even drive a car and you think you know What's right for your life? Yeah, I got a... Okay. All right. I don't care. I drive. You haven't graduated high school. You're not a legal adult. And you got people giving you advice about your life that is the same age as you. They don't do anything. They eat their parents' food. Their mom washes their underwear. They don't know anything. I'm sorry. I apologize. I didn't mean, I didn't mean to talk that real. And you're getting life advice from those people instead of the gardener. That's like you're a branch on a tree bearing fruit, and the branch that is on the ground cut into pieces is telling you what to do. You're not even on the tree. Why are you talking to me? 
And so we listen to the branch with no fruit instead of the gardener who's an expert at knowing what he's doing. I didn't mean to talk like this. I'm supposed to be nice. (laughs) He said, no, sir, absolutely not. You're not here to be nice. All right. (laughs) No, sir, absolutely not nice. So it says, every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that he may bear more fruit. Now, I'm not from wine country, grape country. I don't know a lot about vines. But I do know this, with looking up stuff about vines, is if you're going to be the person to cut things off, Grape vines, especially in wineries, that the wine is very expensive. They don't let the amateur person cut the vines. Because he could ruin it very easily. They don't just let the little kid with his scissors go towards the vines. It has to be an expert gardener who does the trimming. Sometimes... When I looked this up, I said, sometimes it takes people two or three years to know what to clip off the vine and what not to. They, it takes them two or three years to know what branch to clip and what branch to not clip. It's not just anybody can get the scissors and go out in the backyard and start cutting. How much more God, who has always been here, who has always been around, who knows everything about everything, he's an expert gardener, and he knows what to clip. So let's not argue with him when he's trying to clip something out of our lives. No, but I needed that. I needed that. God, why did you do that? And he's saying, I know better because I'm the gardener. I have experience doing this. Let me clip this off so you can bear more fruit. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? Now, there's two different reasons why gardeners prune or cut off certain branches. The first reason why they have to do that with vines and branches is because they have to take away the dead wood on the branch that might cause disease or infection. All right. So one reason why they clip the vines and the branches is to cut away the dead stuff so that insects and disease and infection doesn't get in the vine or the trees. To ruin the fruit. Now, we know this. It's not important if you have a random fruit tree in your yard. But people who are making money off of fruit care about this stuff. People who live in Florida and grow oranges care about this stuff. If you have a fruit tree in your backyard, you don't care if insects and dead things are on it. But somebody who's making a lot of money off of wine and grapes puts a lot of effort into clipping the right things off that tree. Takes a lot of time, a lot of resources. So the first reason that they do that is they want to get the dead stuff 
off the tree so it doesn't cause disease or an insect kills it. But another side of it is this, and this is really interesting. Because a lot of us, it's not necessarily that thing. A lot of times, gardeners will cut the good off so that they can have great. Y'all went home. Y'all, y'all went back to your church on that one. I'll say that one more time. Thank you, Tank. I'll say that one more time. A lot of times, they'll cut the good off so they can have great. Now, let me talk about the bad stuff first. We'll get that out of the way. Then we'll talk about the good stuff. Because we're going from good to great. This is you and God. He's the gardener. You're the branch. God needs to cut some dead things off your life. But notice, he has to have your cooperation so you can bear more fruit. It's not because he's out to get you. It's not because he hates you. It's not because he's mean. It's not because he's grumpy. It's not because he had a bad day. It's because he's trying to get you more results and more fruit in your life. And that's what you want. The funniest thing I've ever heard is young people saying, I know what I want. You don't know what you want. None of us do. Even older people don't know what they want. God knows what they need, not necessarily what they want. And God's the only one who knows that information for your life. So God sometimes has to cut some dead places off our lives so we'll bear much fruit. You're amening right now, but I'm getting into the dead thing. So, ah, ouch. I hate it when they talk about this stuff. So, you need to let God deal with those things if you want to bear much fruit. If you're tired of getting no results, I'm not going to have you raise your hands right here, but I know a lot of you in here are right there. You're tired of not getting any results. This could be a reason why. You're tired of not bearing fruit in your life because you're hearing it preached, but you're not bearing that fruit. There's a reason why. It could be what we talked about earlier about remaining and continuing, but it could be this. That maybe you are, but you have dead things in your life that God's trying to cut off, but you're trying to keep. I know, when I was at youth camp, I didn't want to hear this message either. Oh, you don't want to be honest? I didn't want to hear it either. But notice what happens when God comes into your life. He has to cut some dead things off. And sometimes it's the things that you like. It could be an attitude that you have for no reason, but you just have an attitude. And God's trying to cut that thing off, and you say, well, this is just the way I am. All my family's this way. Cut the thing off. I'm just really emotional. I'm really emo type of person. Cut the thing off. Listen. If you got to burn your Hot Topic gift card, cut the thing off. It's a little emo joke. Okay, I know. That was for Brucey. Well, we can't just keep saying, I'm emo, I'm a teenager, I have hormones. Cut the thing off. 
Let God deal with it. There's dead things in our lives. It could be something in our life like a relationship. Now, this is where really everybody amens. Everybody loves this part. Because they have Romeo and Juliet in their mind. (laughs) Oh, you want me to go ahead? Okay. All right. There'll be a lot of text messages happening after camp. You gone. (laughs) See ya. You just got cut. Let's all do some scissors. Everybody do some scissors. So, after camp, some of you might need to text a boyfriend or a girlfriend and just give her, the, give it, give her or him this, the scissors emoji. That's all you got to give them. Don't even say anything. Just give, her the, give them the scissors emoji. That's all you got to do. Say, you just got cut. I love you, but you just got cut. You can give them a little scissors. Give them like one of the little trees or leaves emojis. Give them something else and say, interpret that. And if you can, then you still cut. <laughs> so God will cut relationships out of your life. I already know there's people in here that are in relationships they know they shouldn't be in. But they love them. No, you don't. You lust them. Anyways, that's a different message. I'm not preaching about Bay tonight. I'm not preaching. I could go there, but I'm not. No, you don't love them. You lust them. You lust them. And God's trying to cut them out of your life. I don't have to tell you they're wrong. You already know they're wrong. Because if you're saved in here, the Holy Spirit's already told you that. You're just overriding it. Hmm. Honesty. What night is it? Monday night? (laughs) You can't talk like this on a Monday night. You got the whole week to go. So God's trying to cut sometimes a relationship out of our lives. Maybe it's not a girlfriend or boyfriend. Maybe it's just a wrong friend. But they're funny. Get you a Sinbad DVD and give them the scissors. I don't know how many times I've heard that before. I know they're not right, but they're just so funny. You're that desperate for humor in your lives. Make up your own jokes. Read a joke book for, I don't know, watch more cartoons. But don't ruin your life for somebody who's funny. All right. You get me off. You're, you're the ones getting me off track. You right there, Devon Newbolt. You know what? Hold on. Before we carry on any longer, I'm, I apologize. I just want to apologize to you right now. I made a little hot topic slam at you a second ago, and I apologize. Everybody hear that? Okay. I was just trying to say hot topic and emo-ness kind of go together sometimes, but not for you. Not for you, because you love Christ. Okay. Are we all forgiven now? Had to get that out of the way. For all of you who like hot topic, I'm sorry. So, we still here. (laughs) 
I was about to say another joke, but I'm not going to pick on anybody else's clothes. I'm not going to pick on anybody else's clothes. No, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. Too many people will get their feelings hurt. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm not going to say it. You're trying to get it out of me. No, no, no. I can't say it. I can't say it. I can't say it. Okay. You really want me to say it? No, I can't say it. I was about to say, really, probably the emo kids go to Hollister, not Hot Topic nowadays. Got him. Hey, but I can relate. I used to wear Hollister every year at camp. I can relate. I'm sorry, all of you who were in Hollister, I apologize. I apologize. I'm sorry. There is a little bit of truth in that statement, though. All right. Where am I? What happened? It's you. You did this to me. No, you're egging it on. What did you say? Okay. No, 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 no. No, I mean it in a good way. He's egging me on in a good way, but he pulls out, he pulls out some of those things. And I'm trying to keep my mouth shut, and he's, just, he's pulling them out. Okay. So God has to prune some things or cut some things out of your life. Everybody give me some scissors. Give me some scissors. Yeah. Can you do that? Okay. So God has to cut away some dead things in your life because he loves you and he doesn't want that to destroy the branch and the fruit in your life. Now let's talk about this also. We're making good time. We're going to have pizza tonight because I'm a rad youth pastor. And that's what people at youth group eat is pizza. (laughs) We don't care that we talked about God. We just want pizza. (laughs) You're wondering how I get the quarry to come back every week. It's food. It works every time. All right. So the expert gardener cuts the wrong things out of our lives, but sometimes he needs to cut good things out of our lives because he wants us to have great fruit. And that's probably a a lot of the areas we're in, that we're in an area that it might be good, but it's just not the best. It's not great. And God has to cut some things out of our lives. Kind of like the difference in Hebrews that says there's weights and there's sins. They both will harm you. And some things are, are not sin, but they're a weight. They're good, but they're not great. Paul said all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. I mean, I can do whatever I want to do, but that doesn't mean it's helping me bear any great fruit. And it might even be a good thing. So when I think about God cutting good things out of our lives, I think about priorities in our lives as young people. Because we do a lot of good things that are not sin, but they're not great fruit. This is going to hurt. Video games. Ah, ow. I hate to say it. Too much time. Zero fruit, zero social skills. Oh, 
but that ain't none of my business. That's right. (laughs) Good, not great. It works when you're in high school or middle school, but when you get in the real world and you're looking for grapefruit and you can't even talk to anybody because you've been talking to your Xbox. (laughs) Hey, and I play video games at the Stumler's house, not my house. And I'm good for a round of NBA 2K. I'm good for a round of Call of Duty. But I'm not making it a priority in my life because it's a waste of time majority of the time. And the reason I play it is because I'm having fellowship while I'm playing that, not just playing and letting my brain rot out of my head, while I'm playing 15 hours of Call of Duty. Too soon for that? I'm sorry. You just ordered the next Call of Duty on pre-order. I apologize. You can play it. Just play it with somebody else in church. Have a good time. Not funny? Okay. All right. Offended. (laughs) Yikes. Give me the scissors. (laughs) Okay. So he has to cut some good things out of your life so you can have some great fruit. What about your school? No, stop picking on me. <laughs> God bless your school. Now listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what I'm saying. Because I know some of you are going to go back and you say, Basie said, I don't need to go to school anymore. So I'm not going to take any more tests, and I'm not going to school. That's not what I said. You're listening to me. You need to go to school. You need to get an education. You need to try to make decent grades. You need to pass. Let's say that. Doesn't mean you got to have straight A's. You need to pass. You need to do your best. But sometimes we make it too much of a priority. And I realize it's easy to do that because we're there every day, all day. And notice, it's not sin, it's not bad, it's good, but it's not great. And if you want great fruit in your life, sometimes you've got to make a decision about your priorities. What's important to your life? Not that you can't be involved in music, or you can't be involved in sports, you can't be involved in extra stuff at school, but you need to make the right things a priority in your life if you want great fruit. And beyond that, you don't want me to say this, but I'm going to say it. The people that you love so much, that you're so soul-tied to so much at school, you will never see them again. You guys are actually acting like you like this message. (laughs) I know that sounds like you're, man, you're being a downer right now. It's the truth. I'm not saying you got to be a jerk to everybody at your school. That's not a good thing. Like they talked earlier this week, you need to be the light in your school. You need to be a witness in your school. You need to be an example in your school. But realize who you are and where you're going. And if they don't want to go with you, just keep going. I'm not talking about, now don't take what I said and and try to shun everybody at your school and be a jerk. 
That's not making you or God look good at all. But I'm saying you need to figure out your priorities on who's important in your life. And those of us who graduated high school and middle school can attest, we don't hang out with any of those people. Ever. But when they're in high school, they're the most important thing that ever happened to us. And then if we can't go to the homecoming game, we go in our room and we punch our bathroom wall. (laughs) And we make a hole in it. And then Brother Joe has to fix it. (laughs) And then I'm grounded. (laughs) That's not necessarily a true story. But it could be a true story. See what they do to your mind in high school? It's a homecoming, and I punched a hole in the wall because I couldn't go to homecoming for friends I would never see again. Okay. So sometimes we have to give up something that's good for something that's great. I'm going to wrap this up because I don't think we can take too much more. (laughs) Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. I'm just saying the truth. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm just. You want to know who's going to be with you for life? Your church family. For life. Game over. Now. Let me say this, just so mom hears what I'm saying. I don't necessarily believe in tattooing your body. Disclaimer. See, look, everybody's getting so serious. Calm down. But if you did, you could put on your back, church family for life. Okay. That's how serious I am about church family. Because they're going to be for life. People that, you, people that you work with come and go. People that you go to school with come and go, but church families for life. So the thing would be to put a priority on those people. So you don't just have good, you have great fruit in your life. Hebrews 12, 6. We were talking about God prunes or cuts us. Well, how does he do that? He corrects us. And correction's not fun at the time being. Hebrews 12 and verse 6, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens, or that means he corrects, and he scourges every son whom he receives. Jump down to verse 11, Hebrews 12, 11. It says, now no, we could say correction, or we could put it this way, no cutting seems to be joyful for the present. When God's cutting bad and good things out of your life, it's not fun, but it's worth it if you yield to it. It says, nevertheless, afterward, it yields, notice, the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. If you yield to the correction, if you yield to the... It's going to yield what? Fruit in your life. But notice what's the alternative. If you don't yield to the correction, if you don't let God cut things on your life, you'll still be a branch. You might still bear some fruit, 
but you're not going to bear great fruit. But then even there is some things that are more serious in, in your life. It could completely destroy the fruit that you have in your life because of something that's harmful on the branch that you didn't let God deal with. So my heart this year at summer camp is that this would be a maturing year for all of us that are here. Yes, I just cracked. (laughs) But you can't blame me. This would be a maturing year, and I'm not saying you got to be an adult when you're 12 years old. But I am saying that you can mature. And you can let God deal with things in your life. How much further along will you be when you learn to do these things? When you learn to abide in God, dwell in God, remain and continue in Him. But like we mentioned If we're going to keep growing in God, we're going to keep bearing fruit. And I know all the pastors back there can say yes and amen to this. Still, Pastor Jacobs, who's probably the most seasoned minister in here, there's still some cutting that has to go on in his life. So just because he's been in the ministry 40 years, God says, yes, you've, you've had a lot of fruit in your life, but why does he cut things out? Because he wants you to bear more fruit. So no matter how old we get, there will always be correction. And let's not see correction as negative. Let's not see correction as somebody's out to get me. Because that's in our culture today. When you tell somebody they're wrong, the next thing is that you feel like somebody's hating on you. It's negative. Why are you being mean? But when God corrects you, when God cuts things, is because he loves you and he wants you to bear more fruit. He wants you to stop struggling and get the results you want to have. But it only comes from when we abide, but also we let God prune or cut the things out of our lives that we need cut. Still here? Anybody know what time it is on the back or somewhere? 832? Somebody say 832. Man, I could. No, I am pretty much done here, but I'm about to say, man, we got got all the time in the world. Pizza's not coming to 10. So we're good. (laughs) So, okay, get my mind off pizza. I just. All right, I'm good. I didn't eat dinner tonight, but I'm okay. I can wait to 10. Let's read this last verse. Um, let's look back over at John 15. And we're, I'm going to read it from the message in a moment. Did you get anything tonight? Yeah. Branches burning and bearing. If you tell your parents you learned that, they're going to be like, what in the world happened at camp? <laughs> That's the weirdest title I've ever heard. You still love me? You mean it? (laughs) It's okay if I talk kind of straight to you tonight? So John 15, and I'm going to read it from the message. So if you don't have the message, open your ears real big. And let's let's do a Haas move. Okay? Let's get your ear, open it up real big. 
open it up, stretch it out. Get your other ear. Open it up. Hold on. I'm seeing some people in this section not do it. Ah, okay. You trying to read ahead. I got you. It was D'Souza's influence over that whole section. That's what's going on. Okay, let, let's try it again. Let's try it again. And we ain't trying to get anybody, but let's, let's open the ear. Get the old long ears out. Stretch them out. Other ear. Stretch it out. Now, still hold your ear. Now, tell this to your friend. Lay the secret on me. Okay. Lay the secret on me. Anybody like Jungle Book? Lay the secret on me. And let's, let's do this again to your other neighbor. Do it with your ear. Okay, I want you to say to them, you have some nasty earwax. Okay. Come back. All right. So John 15, in the message, John 15, in the message, if you don't have one, listen up. This is what it says. just brings it home. I am the real vine. My father is the farmer. Wow. I have no words for that. Just laughing at God's word. Was that D'Souza? Uh, Mom and Dad, I think you're going to need to call Pastor Simons and just let them know. (laughs) There's a lot of, oh. (laughs) Yep. Okay, I'm going to read this. Don't laugh, D'Souza. God's word's not funny. You're supposed to take it serious. Okay, this is really good. It kind of stole my thunder a little bit, though, didn't it? I don't know if I can read that verse and it means the same again. God's a farmer. Oh, my gosh, that's hilarious. He's a farmer. That's a great joke. Okay. It's not going to be the same. I can't. I don't know if I can read this. Pastor Alvin went out of his way to get me the message translation. Okay, what we got? Oh, we're good, we're good, okay. I am the real vine, my father is the farmer. Okay, we're past that part. We'll read the rest. He cuts off every branch of me that does not bear grapes. Every branch that is a grape bearing, he prunes back so it will bear even more. You are already pruned back by the message I've spoken to you. Now listen to this in verse 4. Live in me, make your home in me, just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine. You can't bear fruit unless you're joined with me. It says, this is really good, listen to this last part. I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, 
the relationship intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Listen to this part. Separated, you cannot produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up and thrown in the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home with me, in my words at home in you, you can be sure whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my father shows who he is. When you produce grapes, when you mature as my disciples. Did you guys get anything tonight? <clears throat> no, don't, don't give me a sympathy clap. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. We'll give it to him. Branches burning and bearing. Well, I would like to tonight to pray for some people. Uh, if we get somebody to move this out of the way. I actually have, Morgan, you don't have to go anywhere. Uh, I actually have a CD. And uh, we're going to play some piano music and, and worship just so everybody can enter in tonight. So if you could, let's stand up for a moment. Maybe we can get the lights down a little bit lower. You can go ahead and start some of that. So tonight, uh, we got plenty of time here before we have any activities later. I'd like to, if that's you tonight, and you know that God needs to cut some things out of your life, whether it's good or bad, And you want to make that commitment to abide like never before in your relationship with God. That this camp would be a turning season, not just for a year or two years, but for the rest of your life. Something that would be changed forever. That God would stop just visiting your house, but he would dwell there. That he would be at home in every room of your house and you'd let him into every part of your life. I'd like to pray for you guys tonight. So if we could, some ushers come up here and you guys can form some lines. And if you mean that tonight and you want prayer, I believe for refreshing to come upon you, you guys can go ahead and start coming. Ushers, can you kind of help out? Let's scoot back a little bit from the stage. You guys can form some lines in the aisles if you want to get prayed for. But I'm believing tonight that this will be a time refreshing for all of us. And if you're back at your seats, could you just lift your hands and continue to pray and lift up the people that are up here? Let's not be spectators. Let's be participators in what God's doing. Thank you, Father.